What you are about to hear are accounts of real pro wrestling events. Some names, mostly ours, have been changed to protect the innocent. Welcome to Snap Judgments. Welcome to Snap Judgment for WWE SmackDown for April 17th. I am your host again, Detective Mark Smarks. Almost forgot my own name there. And I am going to be going over the ups and uh, downs, sorry Simon Miller, for WWE SmackDown uh, from Friday, April 17th. Um, I'm going to start off by saying, just in general, this show was a little hard for me to watch overall. Um, I was distracted most of it just because it occurred to me that in all of the mass firings earlier this week, not a single one of them was a SmackDown superstar. A bunch of Raw superstars let go, a bunch of NXT superstars let go, a bunch of people who hadn't really appeared on anything for a while let go, as well as... Uh, announcers and backstage crew and all that, but no SmackDown superstars. So the entire show I sat watching and thinking to myself, which one of these people is not going to be here next week? Which one? Which one of these superstars is going to wake up tomorrow to find out that they are now jobless? Um, As of the time of recording this, so far, uh, no hammer has dropped, and here's hoping that no hammer does drop. I truly don't want to see anyone lose their job right now for any reason. Um, But I just feel like it's coming. And so watching this, it was a little tough for me because I could the entire time just think, is this going to be the last time we see Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross? I don't think so, but I didn't think it was going to be the last time I saw Zack Ryder last time he was on. I didn't think that when Sarah Logan came out on Monday and wrestled a match, that that was the last time I was going to see her in WWE, and it was. And that's that's what made this one tough for me. Um, and uh, overnight ratings suggest that it was tough for a lot of people. Uh, viewership was down for this lowest rating since October, apparently. Um, but anyways, we will get into the actual show. It starts off with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross opening up the show for a moment of bliss, a chat show segment. And if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that I'm so tired of talk show segments. So very, very tired of them. Um, and I'm an Alexa Bliss fan, and I love Nikki Cross, and it just, these always fall flat for me. And this one fell flat as well. Um, their guest of honor was uh, Braun Strowman, and he was his delivery was very stiff. He was overly scripted, way too heavily scripted, and and it just felt like someone reading from the script. This is what I say here. This is what I say now. Every time. Um, the whole deal with it was to, you know, hype him up as the new Universal Champion, and he's got a match with Bray Wyatt the Fiend coming up, and I ain't scared of the Fiend. And then this whole horrible segment ended 
with, uh, oh, there's a gift over in the corner. Alexa, you didn't have to give me a gift. I didn't give you a gift. Oh, come on, you don't have to lie to me. Team Little Big, we're best friends. You must have given me this gift. I didn't give you the gift. Opens up the gift, and it's his um, sheep mask from back when he was in the Wyatt family. And then ominous music, and he just stares at it. And then ominous music, and he just stares at it. And then finally you hear Bray Wyatt's laughter. Ha 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 It was... It was just not good. The whole segment, poorly scripted, poorly performed, really didn't build up Bray Wyatt, didn't build up Braun Strowman. Uh, Nikki and Alexa were just basically toys in it. Eye, eye candy. Um, and it's, it was a poor use of all of them and a poor use of the, the setup for this feud. Um, D.A. Fabe and I have talked about it before. This feud shouldn't be about the Universal Championship. You can have it be about you were part of my flock and then you left me. That's fine. Um, or you can have it be about you need to uh, repent the sins that you did as part of my flock. That's fine too. But having it be about the championship does not fit the Bray Wyatt character at all. Um... Moving on, next we had Tamina versus Sasha Banks in uh, the match to set up whether Tamina gets a shot at Bayley's Women's Championship. And it was an okay match, but, I mean, let's be honest. We know that they uh, are setting this up eventually for uh, Sasha to turn on Bayley, eventually. That just seems obvious. We also know that in the meantime, they're setting it up for Tamina to have a shot at Bailey, And so there was really no drama to this match, really. I knew Sasha was going to lose because she was thrown in front of Tamina by greedy Bailey. This is the, the thing that's going to lead to her eventually turning on Bailey. Um, we knew that Tamina was going to win because she's big, strong, Big, strong, beat-up, little, wimpy girl. You know I'm not a Tamina fan, so it was kind of a boring match all in all. Uh, Lacey Evans came out to stop Bailey from being able to interfere and all of that stuff. Tamina then hit the super kick and won. And I'm thinking, you know, if you, if you have Tamina and you're wanting to set her up as this kind of big monster, no-one-can-beat-her sort of thing... You need to find a better finishing move than a super kick. The super kick is, uh, from a from a psychology standpoint, most often used as the the smaller underdog guy, great equalizer. Right? That's why it works for Dolph Ziggler. It's why it worked for HBK for a long time. Is because he could use that super kick on bigger, stronger opponents and equalize things up and be able to still win. Um. But so Tamina defeated Sasha Banks, and now Tamina is going to get a shot at Bailey's championship in the future. Big surprise. Woo woo. Moving on to the next match. You had Sheamus come out to the ring and defeat a guy, uh, Denzel Desjardins. Um, apparently, he is an NXT guy. 
I've never seen him, so he must be, you know, just relatively new to it. Um, I read a report earlier this week that says that uh, the way WWE's thinking is, they're still thinking NXT is developmental, which now that you've given it a primetime TV show, it is not developmental anymore. But their logic is, if the person is not actively being used on NXT TV, then you can use them as a jobber whenever you want to, and it doesn't diminish them on NXT TV. And in a way, I guess that makes sense. So I'm not going to knock them for that. Um, but this was just a big uh, squash match to make Sheamus look really, really big and mean. And then Sheamus um, yelled at Michael Cole, uh, because he was throwing to a video package about Jeff Hardy uh, for the second week in a row. And, you know, how can you keep doing that to me? I'm way stronger and bigger and whatever for, than Jeff Hardy. Um, so I guess that's what we're running through is going to be Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus here soon, I guess. Shouldn't be bad, but I can't imagine it being a barn burner. So we'll see. Uh, moving on. Uh, it was announced now that uh, the Money in the Bank ladder matches are uh, going to be held under some new unique rules. They are going to be the corporate ladder ladder matches. Climb the corporate ladder, they say. And it's going to be filmed, I'm assuming, in advance. Um, because why not for these pay-per-views film as much as you can in advance. Uh, then you can edit it down and everything. Uh, but filmed in advance at the corporate headquarters... And it's going to start off at the ground floor and the people are going to wrestle through the corporate headquarters all the way up to the roof where the briefcases will be, I guess, hanging above the roof. Uh, that's the only way that makes it a ladder match. So they're going to have them hanging above the roof. Although in a way that really actually makes them an on a pole match really because they've got to somehow or another hang them above the roof. Anyways, that's beside the point. Um, could be an interesting, unique take on the Money in the Bank concept for it. Uh, to take it outside of the ring. and Take advantage of the fact that you're not going to have anyone in the crowd. You don't have to have it in a ring. That being said, the most boring segment from WrestleMania and then the last two weeks of wrestling TV have been the uh, let's go and wrestle in places that aren't the ring um, segment. Aside from the Boneyard match and the absolutely insanely awesome uh, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt uh, Firefly Funhouse match, the Edge match that went through the empty arena was way too long. It was a good match, but it was just way, way too long. The uh, uh, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa match was way too long. Uh, might have been a better match overall, but still way too long. And then even on AEW, they're not they're not uh, guilt free on this. Their uh, empty arena match, John Moxley versus Jake Hager, was way too long and not very eventful. So I'm worried about this. Um, the latter segment of it might at least make it a little bit special, a little bit new. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the next match we had uh, was a Money in the Bank qualifying match for the women. Dana Brooke 
versus Naomi in the qualifying match. And surprisingly enough, this one actually surprised me, might actually give it a lot, slightly higher grade overall than, than uh, the other ones, although none of the matches so far have been great. But um, Dana Brooke gets the win. So Dana Brooke gets to go into the Money in the Bank, climb the corporate ladder, ladder match. Um, that's a mouthful of a phrase to say, but so that'll be interesting. It is, it is the best use of a money in the bank match to put not the top level stars, but some of the mid tier stars in it and to use it to elevate them. Um, you think of all the best money in the bank winners, they were all mid carders who were elevated to main roster, not main roster, main card through their Money in the Bank win. And so this could be a, a way for that to happen. However, I also would not be surprised if Dana Brooke finds herself out of a job soon too. Um, just because it's it's very obvious to me that creative and corporate don't know what each other's doing. And so I could totally see the call coming down that Dana Brooke gets let go right after they announced she's in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Same thing happened with Drake Maverick. They made a big deal about announcing that he was going to be wrestling in the cruiserweight round robin tournament. And then they fire him on Wednesday before the tournament's even started. Um, so I don't I don't hope Dana Brooke loses her job, but I can see it happening. She just hasn't caught on like she should. Uh, next up, we had Sonya Deville uh, out in the ring begging Mandy Rose to come out. And talk to her. I've been trying to call you. You know, you send all my things to voicemail. You ignore me. I just want to explain what's going on. Um, and this wasn't a bad segment. I actually enjoyed it for the most part. Um, however, I could kind of tell that the writer behind most of the Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Otis storyline is no longer with the WWE. She was one of the people fired this week. Because it didn't have the same sort of panache to it that the previous things did. Um, but in the end, it was one of those. It set it up really almost predictably, but in the good way. Like you could see it coming and it helped the excitement as it looked like Sonya Deville was going to apologize. But in the end, what she was really leading up to is the the I'm accusing you of being selfish, the heel turn from her. Um and so it's pretty good there. And then uh, they, they're kind of face-to-face, -face and uh, Ziggler comes out uh, to try to win Mandy back. And obviously, this is setting up Ziggler and, and Sonya are not necessarily on the same page on this. Sonya's out for revenge, and Ziggler actually seems to like Mandy. Uh, but so he's trying to win Mandy back and saying it was all a misunderstanding. And then Sonya Deville just flat-out decks Mandy Rose. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, in the end, uh, you know, Ziggler's kind of caught in the middle and then Otis comes out and Ziggler's like, fine, and takes off his jacket and ready to throw down with Otis and they fight for a bit. Um, in the end, he, Ziggler gets the caterpillar, uh, and then they all run away. Um, now I will take a moment to point out that I give, uh, Ziggler some props here. The shirt that he was wearing underneath his sport jacket uh, during this segment was a uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins t-shirt. 
And so showing at least a little bit of solidarity with uh, some of the fired superstars, uh, even though he so far has kept his job, and I can't imagine he'd be one of the ones fired, but like I said earlier, I could not imagine some of the people that did get fired before. So Leo Rush, you know, he's been kind of a handful backstage, uh, so it doesn't surprise me in that way, but he's also one of the most talented cruiserweights that they have, and that really surprised me there. So... Um, anyways, moving on next up, they did a video package about Howard Finkel who died this week. Um, and so, you know, emotional, uh, nice video package. You know, he, he was a very important part of a lot of our childhoods, uh, growing up, hearing him introduce things. And so it is a loss to have him, uh, gone at 69. It's still a pretty young age. Um, so, uh, you know, my condolences to, to his family and to everyone affected by that. Um, <clears throat> then we move on. We've actually got a good match, a surprising thing for this because there haven't been good matches so far in this episode. Uh, but we had Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro. And once you hear those two names, you know, it's going to be a good match. And sure enough, it was a good match. It, it featured a lot of counters and a lot of, uh, attempted submissions and attempted big moves, you know. Cesaro uh, outweighs Daniel Bryan by a lot, and he's bigger than Daniel Bryan, so it was kind of the David and Goliath sort of a storyline. Uh, and in the end, um, Daniel Bryan uh, was, what was he? he? He was fighting back against Cesaro's uh, European uppercuts. Uh, Daniel Bryan tried to do his little moonsault, uh, and Cesaro caught him and was trying to set up for, like, the big swing, I think. And Daniel Bryan rolled through and was able to get the LaBelle lock on in the middle of the ring. It was a really, really well done, uh, moment. And, of course, Shinsuke was out, um, at ringside to help Cesaro. Shinsuke's trying to get in to, to stop it, break it up. Uh, but you, of course, had Drew Gulak out there to stop Shinsuke from interfering, which made uh, Daniel Bryan was able to get the tap-out victory, the submission over Cesaro. So that was actually pretty cool. Uh, and then we come down, and we have a segment um, with King Corbin attacking Elias. Elias was coming out to do a musical performance because that's what he always does. And Corbin attacks him and beats the tar out of him, breaks his guitar over uh, Elias. And Elias is laying there in pain. And then we go to the ring. I don't, I like Elias. I really do. I liked him a lot better, um, I think, as a heel than as the babyface. So I think we're having an issue there. And King Corbin. I'm, you know, I think, I think right now his uh, gimmick has gotten a little stale on this, and they need to do something to to uh, freshen it up. And I think part of it is freshening it up by putting him against someone bigger than Elias. So, and then we move on to the main event of the evening, and that is the uh, three-way match. Big E versus Jey Uso and versus The Miz for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, which is the weird fallout from the WrestleMania where it was supposed to be a 
a three-way tag team match, ladder match for it. And then Miz was uh, ill and so couldn't do it. So then they turned it into a three-way singles ladder match for the tag team championship. And now they're doing a three-way singles ladder match with the other people for it. It's kind of odd. It was awkward. I mean, I know there's precedent for it from before. We've had single tag team champions who defended the belt because the other one was injured before. So that's nothing new. Um, I don't know if we'd ever before had the tag team title belts switch hands in a singles match before. I'll have to look that up. It might have happened, but I don't remember it offhand. But that's what happened here. Big E was able to get the victory over Jey Uso and The Miz to end up winning the Tag Team Championships. So now the New Day, which I'm assuming, because Xavier Woods is still injured, I'm assuming it's going to be Kofi and Big E uh, representing them at the matches. But they are now the eight-time SmackDown Tag Champions. Um, That's, you know, I don't know, big news, but it's a weird way to do it, like... If you want them to be tag champions, just set it up as a tag match. I don't. None of us are going to complain with Miz, Morrison, Jimmy, and Jay, and uh, the you know New Day in a tag match. We're going to love that. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is all based on they they couldn't find a way to put all six men in the ring and still film it and keep it under needed. I don't know. But it, it was just awkward in the end. But the New Day are the win. The winners, I should say. New Day for the win, I think is what my brain wanted to say. Um, so they now are tag team champions. And that's where it ends. Um, it was an uneven night. It was up and down, up and down. And I have a hard time separating it from the uh, worries about who's uh, going to get fired here soon. Um so I'm, I'm going to rate this at 5 out of 10. It was smack down in the middle. Uh, the, there were good matches. I mean, this final match, the tag championship, was not a bad match. It was a pretty decent match there. And, of course, the Cesaro versus Daniel Bryan match were both was really good. They're both excellent competitors. But there was just enough down matches and down segments to really make it, in my mind, come down to absolutely average at best. So five out of ten citations for SmackDown on April 17th. Um, I always remind people that we are part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network, so if you like this show, head on over to tatnusco.com and check out some of the other shows on there. You can also uh, follow me on Twitter at rawandorderwbu at Twitter. Um, and you can go to our Wix site. The link is going to be in the show notes or it's in a pinned tweet on my Twitter profile. But uh, for that, we will uh, sign off for this. We will be back in a few days with a full episode of WBU. Thanks for listening. We will see you soon.